Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ, Tanda, and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, for episode 29, People Skills. Because, you know, I mean, we could talk about animal skills, but I don't really think they listen to our podcast. So we're going to talk about people skills today. Tanda, what skill class is people skills? I would have to say people skills is a dual class. It's a two and an eight. So for people it comes natural to, it's a two, and they don't wonder and they wonder why it's difficult for other folks. And for introverts and people who struggle with it, it's an eight. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Yeah, I think so. So um, moving right along to to the shortest, you know, part of our segment here, Tom. What didn't you do to research people skills? Like, did you mow the lawn? What, what, uh, well, yeah, I did mow the lawn for the first time this week. That was interesting. Are you watching me? Always. Uh, well, I, I picked, I picked a subcategory within make, uh, within skill, people skills. I can't talk either today. This is fun. Uh, reverse psychology. I have little kids, and reverse psychology is a very powerful tool. And it was first discovered by by two scientists, Adorno and Horkheimer. And I just, I'm not going to tell you any reality here, but I just, I, I, I'm imagining them sitting in a room trying to come up with something novel to write about uh, as psychologists. And I just, I just feel like Adorno looked at Horkheimer and was like, I bet you can't do this. And, and then he did it. And I just, I think there's something very beautiful about that idea. So basically what you're saying is that reverse psychology was invented by sarcastic psychologists. Sarcastic reverse psychologists. They didn't even know what they were doing until they did it. And then they shared it with the world. Hmm. I feel like there's a reverse engineering joke in there somewhere, but I can't quite put my finger on it. But I have to say that almost sounds like real research. That's a... it's, uh, I, I, I better move on quickly before we realize it isn't. Tanda, uh, what what research did you do for people skills? I looked into the inventions and uh, and kind of the people behind it. And uh, Tom's answer has me really confused because I'm not sure how that reverse psychology plays into this. But I think George Winningham was the inventor in 1932. And... Uh, the other interesting thing I found is if you're wearing glasses and you take them off, then sometimes that makes it easier. But uh, yeah, that was about all I found on peephole skills. Um, before that, people just said, uh, who is it? Um, and yeah, and so I'm I'm trying to figure out Tom's answer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did you say, did, <clears throat> did you say peephole skills or people skills? Yeah, peep, peephole skills. Ah, I see the confusion. You know, I'm I'm impressed because normally... Right. I mean, for me, it's always been like I just walk up and I look through, I close one eye, and it's really easy. So, you know, it's like a skill class two for me, but I I have a sister that just struggles with it. And I don't know if it's a vision thing or, or what, but... Tanda, do you, do you have dyslexia? No, or, or on. I can't remember. Okay. I'm, I'm just curious... Well, because I I typed out people skills in the chat so that Tom would remember what it was, but apparently 
you you didn't read that? Oh, I thought Tom put that on the chat, and he was just messing with us. You thought that Tom was messing with you, and that it was really peephole skills? Yeah, yeah, because I'd written down peephole skills when we talked about the topic for the next week, and um, I didn't spend a long time researching it though, so don't feel bad. Yeah, I could tell. I could tell you didn't spend a long time. It's very obvious. This. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's move on here. It's a. Uh... Hey, PJ, uh, why don't you tell us what superstitions you found about people skills? You know, it's funny you should ask. I, I forgot to look up people skill superstitions. <laughs> I'll Google it right now for you. No, not to worry. <laughs> I, I did look up when was it invented, and it gave me really bizarre answers. Like, I looked up when was people skills invented, and it brought up when was jousting invented. Like... How do you go from people skills to jousting? What when when was jousting invented? I don't know. I didn't click on the link. That wasn't what I was looking for. Oh, well, now I gotta Google that and find out. Just type in invent people skills. You'll find it. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, I found a website that was something like peoplescience.com or something along those lines. Real quick. Ten sixty six. Continue. Ten sixty six. Well now I can sleep at night. Ten sixty six. So this site had, uh, let's just say, a lot of information. I tried to distill it down, but the thing that caught my attention was it had 10 essential people skills. But before we get to that, uh, I wanted to give everybody a clear definition of uh, people skill science. Uh, There are researchers that define people skills in three sets of abilities. And the first is someone's personal effectiveness. Um, you know, as a people skill, personal effectiveness is all about how you come across to others. Are you able to pitch yourself? Can you communicate clearly? Can you get what you need from other people? You know, someone with strong personal effectiveness typically also makes a memorable first impression and has a confident presence. You know, when they meet people. The second thing is your interaction ability, and uh, this is how well you predict and decode behavior. Uh, in an interaction, uh, can you empathize with someone? Are you highly perceptive? And then the last thing is someone with strong people skills is able to intercede easily. And this means they're able to lead, influence, and build bridges between people. And, uh, you know, so are you a connector? Are you a mediator? Uh, oftentimes this can be, you know, a calming down effect uh, for difficult or toxic people. So these, this is the, the core of what people skills uh, represent. Everything sort of stems out of here. So the first people skill that they uh, cite as being essential is social awareness. And basically what this means is do you stand up for yourself in social situations or if someone starts talking louder, you know, do you let them push you around? Um, being able to navigate those kind of pressures is a important people skill. Uh, the second thing is crafting a memorable presence you know do you make a, a good strong first impression for people do they remember your name after meeting you um, this is very very important for lasting working relationships when you might not see people all the time and you might see them once or twice a year you want them to you know fully have a mental image of you um, that they can recall instead of just oh i sort of know what that person looks like the third thing is master communication and this is basically like 
public speaking and presentation and how comfortable are you communicating in you know large groups uh, master communicators know how to do this like pros so that's a that's a very big one that a lot of people have trouble with the fourth one is um, sustaining sustain lasting confidence uh, do you ever feel socially anxious um, people get nervous in some social situations and if you're able to overcome this um, and you know push it out conquer your shyness and avoid awkwardness then you have mastered sustaining that confidence uh, number five is master conversation which is not the same thing as master communication how do you get past small talk and uh, this basically means how do you go from chit chat to big talk and you level up from just little itty bitty things like how the weather is you know to like you know quantum physics you know you, you get into the deeper meaty parts of conversation where they actually have meaning Number six is be highly likable. You know, do people describe you as a likable person? Uh, is, is it easy to get people on your team if you're, you know, you're picking a team? Uh, likability is an important facet of trust, which we all need for communication. If people don't trust you, they won't do anything for you. Uh, next, we have um, exceptional at decoding emotions. Would you consider yourself a perceptive person? People who are good at reading others are exceptionally strong at knowing how others think and feel, and that gives them an advantage in conversation because you can lead people in the direction you want them to go or get them to do things for you that you wouldn't normally be able to get them to do. Then we have pitch your ideas. When someone asks, what do you do? Uh, how do you pitch yourself? How do you represent who you are? And are you able to do that in a succinct way or do you just kind of blabber on and, and not really make any sense? So being able to pitch your ideas is key for pulling people in to work with you. Uh, next is being charismatic. Most people think that you have to be born with charisma, but in actuality, charisma is a combination of warmth and competence. And if you practice these things, you too can have charisma. Uh, then the 10th one is be an influential leader. Now, uh, you don't have to be leading a company or an organization to be considered a leader. Uh, leaders also are in work life and social life, and they are able to pull people together for teams and uh, you know generate uh, camaraderie between people. And it's also good if you, uh, you're able to, as a leader, be able to follow others and that will also teach you how to be a better leader by watching uh, the example of someone that's very good at it. And um, the last thing, which is a bonus, is be productive. And that doesn't really need any explanation. If you're productive, people like that. No one likes a lazy person. And, uh, oh, I have, uh, if you're interested, all of this came off of um, scienceofpeople.com. So that's where I got this information. I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, we know what people's skills are, but I don't think we ever really take time to define them. You've just entered the dealer's corner where bargains are currency. Prepare yourself. Well, the junk gods continue to bless Tom and I. I don't know what's going on with Tanda. I think it might be the part of the country she's in. She's not getting any deals. We might have to perform some kind of exorcism or something, but Tom has something he wanted to tell you about. Yeah, this week was a little slow. Uh, I only bought one 
South Bend 9A lathe this week. And uh, I was going to sell it this weekend, but complications happen so he's gonna probably come friday he's coming from mass uh i met him through uh instagram he the day i got this lathe and talked about it forever on my stories because that's what i do uh he reached out to make everything shop and chris was like oh tom just bought one do you know him and sent him my instagram and then he reached out to me and we talked for a little bit nice guy and I'll, when, when he shows up and I'll, maybe I'll tell the deal next week, but he, uh, he's a machinist and he just wants a South Bend 9A cause that's what he like grew up learning on and he just wants it for his home. So that's kind of cool. The only other deal I got was up the street from me. I drove by a tag sale. Do you know what a tag sale is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a yeah. yard sale. Once you pass a certain yeah. uh, direction East. Right. It's a very New England name for a garage sale, yard sale, whatever you got. And there was, it wasn't a great tag sale, but there's always like one item at a tag sale that you can always get. And it's usually undervalued. So I bought a DeWalt job box, I'm calling it. It's got wheels and it's got a big handle. It's like, like I could probably fit in it if I didn't have bad knees or something. Um, I bought it for the trailer so I can keep all the straps in there and the battery for my winch. Um, so I bought that and a master torpedo heater, I think I'd call it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those job site heaters. It's 160,000 BTUs. It's very, very powerful. And it was completely full of diesel fuel. I got it home. I plugged it in and within like 10 seconds, I think kicked on and burned my hand off almost. Really bad time of year to buy one. Well, I'm sorry. Really good time of year to buy one. (laughs) Really, really bad time of year to try and sell one, unless you're a sucker like me. So the idea, I bought the pair for 20, well, $20 each, $40 for the pair. And I was like, I want the job box and I needed to buy something to pay for the job box. And that was the heater. Unfortunately, I might be sitting on that heater for a few months, but that's okay. Uh, I'll sell it for top dollar in four months and I'll be happy, but that's all I got. Well, those are good deals, man. I mean, uh, and and you're probably going to do better than me because I've had a kerosene heater since last summer. And for some reason I never put it up for sale during the winter. Uh, so this one does like five different fuels. You can do diesel kerosene. I think it says like fuel gas, which I assume is just car gasoline. I'm not going to assume it, but I'm just, that's what I thought. No, I, th- I, th- I think that that's more like you would put in an oil furnace. Uh, oh, which is basically diesel. Yeah. It said like fuel one and fuel two and like, I don't know. It was, I never saw that before, but it was interesting. Anyways, what's your deal? Well, I've got, uh, how should I put this? I'm going to start out with the fact that I got old timey <laughs> Old timey tools and I decided that we were going to trade some tools, and we also met up at the Carlisle Swap Meet in Pennsylvania, which is a five-day event that mainly focuses on cars. I'd say like at least half the stuff there was cars, but there was a lot of people there with good junk, and that's what we came looking for. I don't think a single—we didn't buy a single car thing because neither one of us was looking for car stuff, but I'm not going to say what I traded Juan for the stuff that he gave me, but I am going to tell you what I got from him. This was, this was, we, we've done this once before. We do an even swap. So 
he gave me a five inch Chaz Parker vise that has a it's missing the base and it's got a crack going down the the neck like the the big long part of it that moves you know the dynamic jaw out so I've got to braise that back and find a base uh, a four inch square bodied Wilton vise that's missing the swivel lock Juan likes to give me all the things that are missing parts because he doesn't want to repair them. So he's like, here, 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 just take it. Just take stuff. <laughs> so all the things I have are like misfit tools that he just didn't want to spend time on. Uh, I've got a number 900 three-inch uh, Litco vice, which most people call little town vices. Uh, it's got no base and the neck is bent. And from what I understand, I need a hydraulic press to bend it back. So that's going to be fun. I don't have one of those. Uh, there was a three-inch Colombian bench vise, uh, no threaded rod, and it's seized. Um, well, actually, I've unseized it since, but that's that's how I got it. Uh, then we have a vintage 3.5-inch uh, Scout, which is a Wilton vise, uh, no base or threaded rod or handle. That's It's basically like two pieces. Then we got a vintage um, static vice jaw, which is a Bison 100. Like literally, like there's no moving parts. It's well, I did take the the steel jaw off of it, but I, I know you got more. But so far, what I would have given him is either a handshake or a low five. <laughs> That's. We, we did shake hands. I'll tell you, we did shake hands. Okay, so good, okay. you're, you're not wrong. The low five is, I don't know if I'd go to a low five. Continue. Yeah. Now, um, probably one of the more, these two are definitely the two bizarre things he gave me. Uh, I have a, a part from an undermount vice that I don't recognize that just says 198 USA. And it basically looks like, imagine like a, a u-shape okay and then extrude the u-shape out so it's a rectangle and then it's got some holes going through it it just is like it doesn't look like it belongs to a vice and i had to ask him what it was he goes oh it goes to an undermount vice i'm like i've never seen that before so i got that and then he gave me this thing that basically looks like a, a like a heater that got turned inside out like it's like a cone with a bunch of like tungsten wire wound around the outside and then it jumps over this piece of wood and then it's got wire just like out a lot like, I, I don't i'm afraid to plug it in like I don't, I don't know what it's for and he couldn't tell me either like it was just like he's like i figured you could do something with it i'm like like what burn down my shop what, what is this for so i got that then i got a Vintage, uh, seven and a quarter, Black & Decker, number 95, Worm Drive Quicksaw, which works, but happened to be missing the blade lock and the bolt that goes in, which is probably reverse thread. So that's, I don't know what's going to happen with that. Uh, then we come to two General Electric two-button switches with the power light, which was probably the, my favorite thing that he gave me because I was just about to buy one of these from somebody else for way more money than trading it to someone. Uh, I got a brand new Craftsman small parts organizer caddy, which is one of those material things that, you know, you fill up with nuts and screws and stuff and it makes a circle. Then I got one large and one small tap holder. He gave me a well, let's say it's about a 36-inch by 24-inch I'm a Pepper, Dr. Pepper sign, 
that's aluminum, like an embossed aluminum sign, brand new, still had the plastic wrap on it. Uh, two stained glass soldering irons, even though I told him I didn't want them. He gave them to me anyway. <laughs> Four bench vice handles. And then this joker gives me a vintage electrical repairs book. I'm like, seriously, man? You're giving me an electrical repairs book? Yeah, man. I fine. Two rolls of stroke sander paper for Kyle. And then uh, I didn't write it down, but he also piled a bunch of this stuff into a canvas and aluminum picnic basket. I thought it was a tool bag at first, but it's, it's a picnic basket. So now I, I go on picnics. I feel all all fluttery. So um, so that was the stuff I got from Old Timey Tools. And like I said, we went to the swap meet because it was his, his idea. I, I didn't even know this thing existed. Somehow he found out about it. And he's like, man, this thing is supposed to be huge. And it was huge. Uh, we tried to park for 45 minutes. It was so packed. There were thousands of people there. There was so many different parking lots. Like when you came down the main street, all of the businesses and houses leading to where this place was were all doing parking, like parking on their lawn, parking in, you know, like, like everywhere. It was just cars everywhere. And there were... The thing that kind of got me, I was a little ticked off. I went into one of the parking lots that was right next to like the fairgrounds. And they're like, okay, it's $22 for a ticket to get in and parking. What? This is like a flea market. You don't you don't pay to get into a flea market. Well, yeah, it's $22. Okay, here, here's your $22. And then I, and then I had to drive like about five miles away from where I was. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that far, but it was it, like, it was, I was, I had to park against the highway. Like that's, that's, I was like, Juan was trying to figure out where I was. And I kept telling him like, do you see the big tree near the highway? That's where I am. And he's like, okay. But uh, he actually, he snuck inside. I'm not going to say exactly what he did, but he actually got, he parked inside the fairgrounds, like with all the people that actually are like vendors and stuff. He got in there. Cause he's 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 good like that. I'm not gonna say what he did, but I wish I could do it too. He's he's a good talker. Let's just put it that way. Uh, these are not well. These these are in in the order that I pick them up. These are the these are the the deals. So the first thing we happened upon was a vintage worm drive skill saw that was in the original metal box. Uh, the guy the old guy we bought it from said that it was his. He'd had it for years. And uh, he just was passing it on. It was uh, one of those blue and silver labeled skill saws. Came with a number of saw blades, even had a diamond cutting blade. And it had um, not a sharpening stone, but it's one of those stones that has uh, like like diagonal lines in it. I think it's for getting pitch off or something like that. I don't know what they're called. It looks like a pumice stone. That's, that's about the best I could tell you. And then um, there was also, for some reason in there, it, it looked like it was a uh, it was something for covering up scratches, but it was black and it looked like nail polish. It was it was in a tube like a pen, but I unscrewed it and it had like a little brush on it like nail polish, and it said something like scratchish you know scratcheroo or something. I don't remember the name, but that was in there too. Uh, he wanted thirty five bucks, I got it for twenty five. So there was that. Then we went to a table where this guy thought everything was made of gold. And, um, you know, 
you gotta love these people it's everything is like rusting and dirty and but they think it's worth you know like basically as much as wood is nowadays uh, but the one thing he did have that was kind of a deal was he had um these wood handles for uh, hammers and mallets and stuff that were brand new still had like a price sticker on them but they were a dollar piece and juan saw those they were right next to these barn hangers and i was looking at the barn hangers i don't need bar like barn door hangers the kind that roll and i'm looking at them he goes he goes hey man you like that and i'm like well i mean i do but i don't need barn door hangers man i don't have a barn but the one thing i liked was they were they were they had to be over 100 years old and they were cast iron and like all of the the name of them where they were made the patent dates everything was embossed into the metal and these things are like rusted like solid rust and so you know Juan just grabs him he's like he's like hey man how much are these and he's like 10 bucks and you know Juan picks up three of the hammer handles he goes how about 10 for everything and the guy's like yeah okay Juan got the handles and I got these barn door hangers which since I have also put them in a vapor rust and they look fantastic once the rust is off so I think I'm going to hold on to those in, until I own a barn uh then we walked up on um this place was massive by the way i don't think i i said it but we only got to about 60 percent of the vendors it wow. was so gigantic we walked around for six hours and we still didn't see everybody we walked up to this one table and juan spotted the vice before i did and it was a rock island uh four inch vice and it was you know the static it wasn't a dynamic you know it didn't have the swivel base it was the kind that you know, rests up against the table. And Juan picks it up and he goes, he goes, how much, man? And I think the guy was like, he said something like 30 bucks. And Juan's like, nah, man, this is like 20 bucks. And he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I got it for 20 bucks. So Juan and I, Juan didn't need my help when he was trying to buy things. He was, his, his approach to buying things is much different from mine. He basically runs up to someone and starts talking to them to try to like lure them in, and then he, he gets a good deal. What I do is I'm the strong, silent type where I'll ask like a question, then I'll, I'll make an offer, and then I shut up, and I make it uncomfortable until they give in. But what Juan and I started doing was I would start talking to people, and then Juan would be like 10 feet away, and he would just start yelling out stuff. <laughs> which I'll, I'll get to it it'll make sense in a minute oh uh, this was a good one we went up to the top of this hill which was not even, was, was quite a hike and we get to this place that has uh, a camper there and it has several tables full of stuff but there's no person and so we're looking through and we find a 16 inch draw knife this is probably like the biggest draw knife i've ever seen and it was completely rusted and whatever coating was on the wood handles was gone but it was in good condition. Like there was no chips in the edge. Like it wasn't bent. Like everything looked nice. And so we're looking around and we're like asking people nearby, like, do you know the person that's supposed to be here? And then Juan goes over to the camper and just starts like banging on it. And then this little old lady comes out and, um, and you know, she's, you know, we're, we're holding up the draw knife and we're like, how much for this? And then she calls somebody and she says, he says 10. And then we looked at her and we're like, tell him we said five <laughs> and then she's like okay five sounds good so i get the five so then we keep we keep going 
we come upon this place that looks like a junkyard that's flat. And this guy has all this weird stuff. And the first thing we spot is there is this massive, like, 24 or 36 inch wrench. I can't remember how big it was, but it was all rusty. And Juan looks at it and he picks it up and he goes, oh, this is nice. So he gets the guy to come over and the guy, the two of them are haggling back and forth. I don't remember how much he got it for, but he got a bargain. And then right next to where the wrench was, there was a bunch of like um, torch parts and I need a torch for brazing. And so there was like a torch head and some regulators and some hoses. And I asked the guy, I'm like, hey, is, is all this stuff together? And he goes, no, that's not together. And I said, look, man, I'm, I'm looking for a brazing kit. You know, what do you got? And he goes, oh, I've got this over here. And he pulls me over to the side. And I hadn't seen this amongst all the junk he had. But he had a, it's a brazing kit that I hadn't seen before. In when I've, I've been looking for months. And the cheapest I've seen these little mini, like, port-a-torch kits is like 200 bucks. He had a port-a-torch type kit, but it had oxygen and map gas instead of acetylene. And I'm like, oh, that's like map gas is easy to get. And it had two torch heads and uh, no regulators. It just had like on off knobs and it had a hose, it had a carrier. And the guy had it listed for 75 bucks. And I'm like, man, this thing looks kind of messed up. I mean, can you do 60? And he's like, nah, I can't do, I, I, I come down to 70. Well, I, all right, I'll, I'll do 65, but that's it. He goes, nah, I was really hoping to get 75. I'm like, and I just breathed out and I just shut up. And then I was kneeling down while the whole time he's saying this. And then I stood up and I stood there and he goes, all right, all right, yeah, I'll do 65. <laughs> so that's, that's my passive aggressive method of getting my way. It's like, I just, and I, I walked away from a bunch of things. I walked away from several deals that they wouldn't budge $5. And so I just left it because that was, that's what I do. The next place we went to was like a smorgasbord of awesome deals. The first thing I saw were like these 20 gallon tubs, like Tupperware tubs, and it just had tape going across them that said $2 each. And inside immediately, I picked up three skill belt sanders that were three by 21 belt sanders, which I'm very familiar with. Uh, one of them had the dust bag, the other two didn't two bucks a piece. So I just grabbed those and just, I put them, I was pulling around this garden wagon. That's what we were putting everything in. So I just put them in the garden. I just, I waved to the lady. I'm like, I'm putting these in the wagon so I can pick up more stuff. She's like, yeah, okay, fine. Uh, then the next thing I found was, uh, have you, Tom, have you seen the Milwaukee right angle drills that look like the shape of a reciprocating saw? No. They're very, I don't uh, think it's so. an oblong drill that you drill with, it, you hold it with two hands and then it's like the front of it is like a pipe that comes out at a right angle. It comes out and then it bends down and then there's a drill chuck and it's for it's a right angle drill. Does it look like the back end of a skill saw and then the front end of a angle grinder, but then there's a drill chuck? Not exactly, but you're not completely wrong. All right, I'll send you a picture. You can confirm it. Um, anyway, they had it listed for 25 bucks. And you know, I just, I, I looked at the guy and I'm just like, how about 15? And he's like, yeah, okay. Whatever you just sent me, Tom, is like, like I see red and then everything else is black. <laughs> I can't see the picture. Oh, why? I don't know why. So anyway, I, he wanted 25. I got it for 15. Um, unfortunately, I found out later that was one of the few things that, um, no, it's the same thing, Tom. <laughs> it's, 
that was one of the few things that didn't work when I plugged it in. So um, all the belt sanders worked. Stop sending me pictures, Tom. Uh, okay, the thing the thing that's next to the the battery powered one, that's the thing yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. So the back end of a skill saw, like a real skill saw, like the 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 good ones, and then the front end has like a handle, like an angle grinder, but instead of a disc, it's a chuck. Yeah, mine doesn't have the handle. It just has the chuck there. And I think these are all cordless. They're listed at 300 something dollars. Mine was 15. It didn't work when it plugged in, but I'm sure it just needs a little bit of assistance if you get my meaning. So I got that. This was probably the best deal the guy gave me. So he on the ground was one of those nine inch heavy duty DeWalt angle grinders. It had no handle and it had no nut or anything on the spindle. And it looked like it had been sprayed with paint or something like that. But it's on the ground, and the ground is dirt. And I asked the guy, I'm like, how much for that? And he just looks at me, shrugs his shoulders, and he goes, I don't know, five bucks? <laughs> this is a $300 angle grinder, okay? I have sold these before, cleaned up for 100 bucks. So I'm like, yeah, that's mine. I'll take that. Then, um, oh, this was this was good. So uh, this this place was all set up in like a grid system. So as we're walking... We would come to like a row and then Juan and I would decide whether or not we wanted to go down the row because a lot of them were just car parts. So we had to like we had to like make a decision, you know, because each one was probably like, I don't know, let's say like 150 feet was a row. So if you started going down one and there was nothing there, you kind of wasted time. And we were like short on time. We were only there six hours and we'd wasted an hour parking. So we would get to the front of a row and Juan would be like, what do you think? And I would look at it and then I'd, I smell a deal down that way. And he'd start laughing. And I'm like, you laugh, man. You watch. I'm going to find something down here. Because Juan had great eyesight. He would see things before I could, but he couldn't see 150 feet away. I could smell the deals. And I did this to him like numerous times. I'd smell something out and we would find stuff, you know, because I have a nose for it. So we, about, I don't know, five tables down, we get to this guy. And he's got four vices on the table, two four-inch Litco vices, one of those little Stanley like uh, clamp-on vices, and some other Chinese vice that I was not interested in. So the two um, Litco vices are listed for twenty bucks, and then he's got the Stanley listed for twelve. So we're looking at fifty-two bucks. So I wave the guy over, and I I group the three together and ignore the other one, and I look at him. I go, "How about thirty-five? And he goes, I, I have these for, for 52. And I said, yeah. And I'm, I'm saying 35. I, uh, no, I, I cannot do a 35. Uh, uh, I have 45. I do 45. And I stared at him for like a good 30, 40, maybe even a whole minute. You know, I was like, I'll do 40. Okay, okay, I take 40. I take 40. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, I I got twelve bucks off, so that was that was a nice win, and those were in good condition. Those vices. Uh, then we breezed by this table that had everything overpriced, with the exception of a small box of antique lighters, and for the bargain basement price of two bucks, I got a lighter that had a brass wraparound with a, it's a Japanese scene on both sides. One side had like a woman in a 
in a kimono with a fan and there was a tree next to her. And then the other side was like an island with a boat and uh, all of the, well, not all of the, let's say 75% of the enameling for this had come off. Um, but the brass wraparound was like embossed. So you could fill the colors back in. And for two bucks, that's dirt cheap because I have an antique lighter collection of about 200 lighters. And uh, I don't have one that looks like this. So that was kind of fun. I'm, I'm glad I picked that up. Uh, then we come to a, a really nicely laid out tent. And there is a... <laughs> This was quite a pairing. So there is a massive five-inch Craftsman vise. And by massive, I mean it's probably like 60, 70 pounds. This thing was, was, was heavy-duty. And it's vintage. Like the logo, I do not recognize the style of Craftsman logo. So he's got it listed for 75 bucks. And then right next to that is this old vintage American vise that has no letters or names or anything on it. But you can tell it's old. Like, I've seen it before. I've seen people sell it before. But it's like right where the meatball meets the threaded rod, there is so much weld on it, it looks like it has a disease. Like, it is it is horrific. <laughs> and it's list, he's got a piece of tape on it for $15. He knew that it wasn't worth much. Uh, I'm, I'm, I wave the guy over. And I'm like, I'm like, how are you on the price for this thing? He goes, I'm negotiable. What were you thinking? And I said, I was thinking like 40 and he goes, uh, I don't think I could do 40. I, I might be able to come down to 65. And then Juan's like 10 feet away. And he goes, yeah, you got to meet in the middle of 50. And so, so I look at the guy and I'm like, well, 50? And he goes, yeah, all right, I could do 50. And so I start getting my money out and I'm about to hand it to him and I stop. And then I look at the ugly one and I'm like, hey, give me the ugly one for 10, I'll give you 60. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, okay. So I got this really ugly one too that I'm going to play around with. I don't know. This thing is like, it's a Frankenstein. So um, he had this, this whole booth set out. It was like a double booth with a partner. So his partner was on the other side. So I walk across and his partner has this five-inch Colombian that's missing both of the steel jaws it's got a chip out of one part of it, and he's got it for 45 bucks. And I look at the partner, and I'm like, man, this is one ugly baby right here. <laughs> and he just kind of stares at me. And I said, I'll give you 30. And the guy stares at me for like a good minute, and he goes, yeah, right. <laughs> so I got a five-inch vise for 30 bucks. It needs a lot of work, <laughs> but still, that's a five-inch $30 vise. Then... Uh, I run into this guy, really, really nice guy. I think he was probably the nicest guy Juan and I ran into the entire time. Uh, he had, uh, are you guys familiar with the, I showed it on some of my stories because I got another one like this. It's an I-beam F-clamp uh, clamp. It's basically like the cross-section of the bar looks like an I-beam. And then up at the top, it's got like this cantilever lever that pushes a piston out. You know what I'm hmm. talking about? Okay. Um, it's it's an older, no. I would say it's a turn of the century model vice or, or a clamp. And uh, I just picked up, when I got that uh, Thor deal last week, I'd picked up a probably like a 12-inch version of this. He had one that was like three feet long. And I had picked it up and I was looking it over. He walked over to me 
and he had $5 marked on it. And the thing is rusted from tip to toe. I mean, like severely rusted. And I looked at him, I said, take three bucks. And he's like, yeah, sure. So at this point, Juan wanders over because he had been at some other table. And he starts talking to the guy and the guy's like trying to sell him a cuckoo clock or something. And they couldn't agree on a price. So then Juan comes back out and he's talking to me and we're still in front of the guy's table. And the guy wanders over because we had been talking about tools. He has this metal box in his hands and he is just like holding it out like he's holding out cake. And he goes, I was wondering if you might be interested in this. And Juan's like, what is it? So he opens up this all metal box and inside are like a rusty but really super cute collection of machinist tools. I mean, like Union, Sterrett, like all kinds of little goodness. Like there was a there was a a, a right angle. There was a little um, toolmaker's vice. There were the little machinist um, parallel clamps. There was all these little things. A bunch of little files. There was a full set of tiny Nicholson files that were in a box. But the whole thing is so full of rust, like literally like rust is rolling around in there like a powder. And so um, I'm like, how much do you want for it? I said, I'm, I'm interested. How much do you want for it? And he goes, I was thinking 25. And Juan just starts laughing. He goes, <laughs> that's like $10, man. And the guy just kind of looks at him and he goes, I, I thought 25 was a, was a fair price. <laughs> And so I just kind of let that hang for a minute. And uh, and I said, so so you can't do 10? He goes, no, I, I don't think so. And I said, all right, how about 15? I go, I go up to 15. This is a lot of work to clean this stuff up. He goes, you know what? I really want this to go to a nice young fella that's going to use it. See, so yeah, I, I give it to you for 15. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt a little bad. But I mean, I am keeping this stuff. I'm not selling it. It is for me. But uh, that was kind of funny. That's awesome. So then we get into this. Uh, I, I know we're running long, Tom. This is a swap meet story. <laughs> uh, so that was that was the number sixteen. We got uh, we got nine more to go. <laughs> I'll be back in an hour. I got some good stories though. So <laughs> we run into this husband and wife, and uh, Juan starts chatting them up. Like he's talking nonstop about all that. They have this table full of tools including um, some kind of a DeWalt drill that was worth like $500. Like it was, it looked like an angle grinder, but it was a drill. And they, they tried to sell it to me. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. But uh, Juan ended up getting like this little snap-on driver. And I just let him talk the entire time. And basically all he's doing is getting them riled up. Like he's like, you don't want to take all this stuff home, right? And the wife's like, no, I don't. So um, they had a DeWalt drill and a DeWalt finish sander, one of the little square sanders. And they had them marked each for 10 bucks a pop. And I'm like, how about 10 bucks for both? And I'm talking to the husband. He goes, you got to talk to the boss. So I just held them up to the wife and she's like, take them. So I gave her 10 bucks. I got them for five bucks each. So that was pretty good. Uh, then this was a good story. Okay, so um, we had missed part of a hill when we had gone up it the first time. So Juan and I went back to this hill after we had dumped everything into his car. This was probably like the second or third dump. We had we would fill up the wagon and it got so heavy to pull, we would have to dump it in his car or my truck and then go back out because we were pulling like probably like 150 pounds of vices. We go to this, this stand on the hill and 
these guys have a lot of cool tools. I had told Juan before we got there that I was looking for an old Craftsman metric socket set. Like I wanted him to trade me a set because he said he had them, but it turned out he didn't. So we walk up on this thing and the first thing we see are um, not complete sets, but mostly complete deep and shallow socket sets that are in these magnetic trays. And Tom, can you stop doing that, man? <laughs> Tom is, is like zooming around on his little old person's chair that's motorized while I'm telling the story. So anyway, there's three trays of these things. And Juan, Juan yells to the guy. He goes, he goes, hey, man, how much for these sockets? And the guy says, 20 bucks. And he goes, 20 bucks for all three sets? And the guy's like, no, 20 bucks a set. So um, he, had, he, he had pointed out the metric set to me. And I noticed off to the side there was a Litco undermount woodworking vise, but a small one, like a like a like a five inch by three inch, right? So I pick it up and I pick up the set of metric sockets and I walk over to the guy and I just hold him up and I said, 20 bucks with a free vise? And Juan starts laughing like a witch. And he just goes, Man, that vice is a piece of <laughs> <laughs> And the guy just stares at him. I said, "I know it is, man. That's why I'm trying to give it, have him give it to me for free, so that way I feel better about buying twenty dollars sockets." And the guy just stares at me, and he's like, "I could do five dollars on the vice, you know." And I'm like, "Twenty-five? No, I, I can't do that." And then he goes, "All right, how about twenty-three? I said, let, "Let me let me just put these things down here." And I put the sockets and the vice in front of him on a table and walked away. And I walked to the other side where his partner was with other stuff. And so I see this metal box, I spin it around and immediately I see Rockwell. And I'm like, is this what I think it is? I open it up and there is a variable speed Rockwell Portaban that was listed for 40 bucks. However, it was missing the variable speed knob. There was just a hole there. And um, it was, you know, it was a little dirty and stuff. So I talked to the guy and I'm like, you think you could do 30? And he goes, all right, I'll take 30, but you know, it needs a repair. And I'm like, what do you mean it needs a repair? Well, right where the, um, the bearings are for, to hold the blade in place as it's coming out, like on the handle side, it had cracked. And so like the body had cracked and you could tell that it had been like aluminum welded back together. And he did, he told me, he says, I, I aluminum welded this like 15 years ago. And it just cracked again, and that's why I'm selling it. He says you can you can fix it again. He says, he's just I just got another one. So, but for thirty bucks, uh, that was a steal because I have the cheapest I've seen them is like fifty bucks on marketplace. So and it's in the original case. So I bought that, and then I walked back over to the other guy, and I looked at him, and I'm like, "So are we are we good? Twenty bucks." And the guy smiles at me. He goes, oh, look, a return customer. 20 bucks sounds good. And he gave it to me for 20 bucks. <laughs> so um, so that was, you know, like I got that deal. And Juan had been working out some separate deal with the partner. He had a whole box full of uh, Morse taper drill bits. And I saw in there he had a Morse taper chuck. And I'm like, man, I need a Morse taper chuck. And the guy, he said, the guy has another one. He had a Morse taper chuck. That was key, it was a keyless chuck, but it was it was MT2, which is what I need. And so I asked him, I said, hey, man, you take five bucks? He goes, yeah. So 
I now have a Morse taper chuck for my Walker Turner 1100 drill press. So, and it cleaned up nicely. Uh, then I was walking, I was trying to catch up to Juan. He took the wagon and was running away from me. And I, as I'm walking by, uh, I see this lady has a Craftsman belt sander. It's a, it's a big one and it's in a case and it's listed for 15 bucks. And I said, Hey, would you take 10 bucks? And she goes, Oh, that was my daddy's sander. It works real good. Um, yeah, I guess I'd take 10 bucks for it. And I said, all right, that's good. And I was about to give her the money. And I realized right next to it was a set of car mats, like floor mats. And I have worn a hole through the mat in my truck where my foot rests for the gas pedal. And I'm like, how much for these floor mats? And she goes, five bucks. And I said, five bucks sounds good. So I gave her $15 and I got four floor mats. And then I ended up taking the floor mat when I got home and I pop riveted it to my existing floor mat because it was smaller. And now I've got like no hole. So I got new floor mats for the truck. Then I found a guy that was selling Klingspore um, sanding belts. Uh, the short version is I got 26 belts for $25. And uh, that was a pretty good deal. Juan found this guy that had a whole bunch of stuff that was super expensive, but he had a table of cheap things, and I picked up a Milwaukee hammer drill for $10. He had it listed for $15. And then the last thing I picked up, um, we had been going to a bunch of junk dealers, but intermixed with all this stuff were what we call corporate tables. And these were people that were selling brand new tools. And there was one guy on the corner that was selling straps. He was the strap man. And if you guys remember, I bought a bunch of straps last week, and but they didn't. The guy didn't have any small ones, so this guy had like every size of strap imaginable. And I walked over and I found the small ones, and he had a three-foot strap for five dollars and a four-foot strap for six. So I picked the two of them up. I walked over to the guy, and I'm like, "You ten for both?" He goes, "Yeah, sure." So I got a dollar off, and that was it. So that was that was the bulk of my deals. You know, it was a lot. I know it was a lot. But um, I, I left out a lot of the funny stuff. Juan was Juan is hilarious, by the way. If you ever get the chance to to go somewhere with him, he was yelling at everybody. Like every time I would give a price out, he would yell, "It's not worth that much," or he would yell like five dollars. Like he was just constantly like uh, everybody would stare at him, and then they're like, then they would think like, then they would lower the price. Like he was he was like the best wingman going. Oh, there's one last thing that was not at the swap meet I just picked up yesterday. Uh, there is a Colombian vice that has piping going down the sides. If you've ever seen one of these before, it is, it is very unique. I've never seen any other company do it, but it has um, piping in the cast iron that goes from the dynamic jaw, you know, horizontally back. And I have two of these vices. I have a four inch and I have a three inch, and they're part of my personal collection. And I saw someone put one up for sale for 20 bucks, but with no information. It looked like a three inch to me. I made a deal, went to pick it up, and it turned out that it was a four, uh, it was a 43 and a half. That was the model. So it's a three and a half inch vise. So now I have three, three and a half, and four. So I have like a set. I don't know if they go to like five inch or bigger, but three sounds good for now. So I got that yesterday. Were those deals hot enough for you? You got a sizzling deal that's burning a hole in your pocket? Send it in, maybe we'll read it on air. All right, it's time for personal history with people skills. Tanda? I think I'm I'm oddly likable, but don't know why. 
And so I've always gotten along really well with people and have kind of been in that in-between group where I, I'm not really in one group, like in school, and I'm not in group A or group B, but I get along with both. And so I kind of am that go-between um, that's like the, the person who gets elected to school offices and stuff because neither group hates them as much as someone in the other group. <laughs> You're Switzerland? So I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm Switzerland. Yeah. And so, um, so I had this kind of odd, you know, I, I, I still have this kind of odd sense of, of wondering why, why people like me. Uh, and, and I tend to get, get my way or get to do things that I want to do. Um, and, and I'm not sure why it's a mystery. So maybe. Maybe you can solve that and, and tell me what it is. <laughs> you want us to solve why you don't understand why people like you? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's just, it, yeah, it's just odd. I mean, I, that uh, I, I tend to, things tend to work out for me and people tend to like me. And, and uh, I think part of it is I try to be, you know, I, I'm somewhat empathetic. And so I tend to be able to talk with people about what they're interested in in talking about or um i'm okay conversing with people about what they want to converse yeah you're exactly right i, I mean when i met you I, I latched on to you pretty quick at at uh where'd we go workbench, workbench con. con yeah um but i think the other thing you have going for you is that you're you're by default you're quiet which means it leaves a lot to the imagination who you really are and I liked what I thought about you. So, <laughs> oh, and so I, sh- I should have just kept my mouth closed and, thought, uh, and yeah, not ruined it. Yeah. yeah that's what it is. Th- this is a little bit of a parallel, but I was just, the guys were talking about the Mortal Kombat movie. And I'm like, stop turning video games with characters that don't speak into movies where they have to speak because it completely shatters your impression of that character. It's a lot like reading a book versus watching a movie. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. everyone who's ever read a book and and really got into it, developed their own sense of the characters and their personalities. And then it's, it's impossible to make a movie that matches everyone's. And then Daniel Radcliffe walks on everyone's perception. Wait a minute. Harry Potter is in Mortal Kombat. Oh yeah. Didn't you know that? I mean, that's kind of what Tom was talking about. I mean, I didn't didn't realize that. Yeah. Well, Tom, what about you? What is your personal history with people skills? I would say, a lot of my people skill building happened in youth group through church because you're in a group with a wide range of kids and you're a kid and they make you do things like games and mostly games. But in a group like that of kids that you don't normally hang out with except through this venue, you don't have a lot of time to build rapport. So you have to force it very quickly. And I found the best way to do that is when you're in a situation where you need to complete a task with them is to find any one of them that is saying a decent idea and latch on and boost their idea. So find an idea you can back and just boost it. Because as soon as one idea has two people behind it, things start moving. And that tactic works for a lot of things. So... You know, you in those interactions, 
you you really learn very quickly in those interactions for what works and what doesn't. And I couldn't put a list together for what works and what doesn't. It's it's very unique every time. But you get instant feedback, and I, I kind of like those things. I think that anytime you're in a group, people want to um, start building consensus. And if a couple of people are behind an idea, then it starts kind of getting some legs. And, and so I can see how that tactic would work really well if you find someone that's kind of aligned with with what you want to do or or whatever and just support them and now there are two two voices for that particular thing and and it can avalanche from there right you can even if you really need to you can even you can even say oh tanda's got a great idea but let's do it completely different and it's my idea (laughs) and that works too sometimes where you're like okay but let's change this this and this and it's completely different but you still piggyback someone else and they feel good for it. That's a very useful tactic as a female. <laughs> yeah. That's called the switcheroo. In a group where you just simply, uh, you know, you state your idea and it, and it goes completely unnoticed, completely discounted. And then you just wait until somebody else says something similar. And then you're like, you know what Tom's saying, I think is the way we should do it. And, yeah, totally. Uh, PJ, yeah. Um, it's really useful for a female um, when you say something like a good idea. I can't remember exactly what you said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Tom's I think Tom's got it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what yeah, Tom's yeah. saying is a, is a great tactic. <laughs> I think we should all agree with Tom. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening to either one of you. What would you say? It's sad. It's sad. No, I heard your interview. I heard your yeah, PJ is not even listening. He's in a sidebar with himself. No, I heard your interview with, uh, was it Maker Mom's podcast or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm way behind on those. Yeah. I'm, I'm listening. I just listened super... to Anne of All Trades, and so I'm way, way yeah, behind it was on a those. Super, it, was, yeah. it was a really good interview, and it, uh, I remember you saying that in there, too, But which is sad. Um, but you adapt. Yeah, yeah, it's good to be adaptable. I think that's a good a good people skill. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. PJ, what, what about you, PJ? I grew up. Uh, without realizing I had attention deficit disorder because at that point it wasn't really well known or advertised, I guess you could say. So I had uh, missed all the social cues that kids and stuff had. So I was socially awkward because I just didn't know what was going on because I just, I didn't know. That carried into adulthood quite a ways. It was, it was, I would say, probably into my mid to late 20s before I actually sort of got my groove um prior to that everything was i'd say uncomfortable you know i really <laughs> i had trouble making friends um i didn't understand a lot of the social interactions like um i have an unusually high amount of skills and talents and through no fault of my own i just naturally have them and i assumed that other people could that other people were the same way I assume that everybody else, if I could do something with no having no training and nobody taught me how to do it, to me it's easy. Well, then anybody should be able to do it. And so I would like literally walk up to people and I do something and they're like, I'm like, here, you do it. No, I, I can't do that. I'm like, what are you talking about? I just did it. Just just do it. I'm like, no, I can't. And I didn't understand. I really just did totally boggle my mind that something that was so easy for me, people just couldn't do. And that ended up making me look very arrogant. And I had I had like friends of mine would tell me like you know you're you're coming off really arrogant. I'm like, what are you talking about? And it was told I was just totally clueless. It did not did not 
the you know i was not making a complete circuit and then as i started to let's say develop my social skills when i was aware of what was happening uh a few friends of mine started uh i don't want to say they took me under their wing but they started giving me a better insight into how i was interacting with other people versus how i thought i was interacting and then once I realized sort of the misperceptions, I you kind of think of it like um, like an actor going to acting school. I started focusing on talking to people in a certain way, and I started really um, studying their reactions to me. My mentor used to say uh, it's he, he called it people watching. You know, you just you don't even people that you don't talk to. You should be able to read them and understand what they're thinking and what's going on um, as you're observing them without any other information. When I moved to Pennsylvania, a friend of the family um, who's older than me, but uh, very bad with women, had um, and he he wanted to he was trying to like be friendly, and he's like, "Hey, do you want to go to the casino to walk around?" And I, I didn't have anything better to do. So I'm like, "Yeah, sure, let's go." And um, the nearest casino is the Mohegan Sun, and their main floor is a circle. So, like, there's gambling in the middle, and then you can walk around, and on the outside there's, like, stores and restaurants and stuff, but it's just a big circle. And so we're just walking around talking, and I'm trying to explain to him, like, he knows, like, zero, uh, he has no game at all about picking up women. And, you know, he doesn't know anything. So I'm trying to explain to him, like, the basics. And he's, like, not really getting it. I'm like, okay, look. You see that group of women right there in front of us? And there was, like, this group of, like, ten women. Which is normally dressed, <clears throat> but there was a group of them clustered together. And he says, yeah, I see them. And I said, that's a bridal party. And he said, how do you know? And I said, look at them. Look at the way they're interacting. Look at how they're talking to one another. Look at the body language. They're super happy. They're very upbeat. Uh, I guarantee you that's a wedding party. That's a bridal party. And, you know, there's probably like she's probably about to get married like tomorrow. And so they were not moving, but we were. So as we got closer, I just turned and called out and I'm like, who's the bride? And then all of the girls pointed to this one woman and they're like, it's her, it's her. And then they all start giggling. And I'm like, oh, it's like, oh, you here? Is this your, your girl's night out? And they're like, oh, yeah. You know, we might be looking for some male strippers up in the room later. <laughs> and so my friend, like, he turns beet red, and I'm like, well, we might be around. When is this going to happen? So I just, I toyed with them just, just for like a brief second, and then we just kept walking. And just that little instance blew my friend's mind. He could not understand how I had figured out that it was a bridal party. And it's it's things like that that translate into other areas, especially like, uh, you know, Tom and I do with buying and selling. Being able to read people is a really clutch skill if you're going to do what we do. Um, just like I talked about during the swap meet, uh, I sized up people immediately and figured out whether or not there was going to be a deal. Like one of the things I didn't tell you, Juan and I ran into a bunch of people where we would ask them a price and they spoke to us like we just insulted their mother. Like one like <laughs> one guy, uh, Juan picked up a screwdriver, and he's like, how much is this? And the guy took it out of his hand and goes, it's $5, and then threw it on the table. 
Like he took it away from one and threw it on the table and we just walked. We didn't even engage the guy. And he's like, did you see that guy? I'm like, yeah, he wants to go home with all that stuff. He doesn't want to sell anything. <laughs> he, there was several people that were just mean. And as soon as we yeah. recognized those people, we just left. We didn't talk to them at all because you're not getting any kind of deal. Most of my people skills involve being able to read others before any words are said. That's the key thing. Uh, this is also very important if you're trying to avoid bad people. A lot of times you can tell just from body language and facial expression whether you even want to talk to somebody. So that's something else that uh, I've developed over the years. But I was a late bloomer, unlike Tanda, who was well-liked for apparently no reason during school. Uh, I was just like, I mean, I knew people, but I had very few friends in school. I was the one that got picked on all the time. I think mostly because I was tall and I stood out. I was I was very tall for my age, and uh, the other kids weren't. So, um, but anyway. Yeah, I had this. I mean, I I remember going home from school crying and getting picked on and bullied. I think everybody has at least some small phase of their life where that that happens. But I was the oddest popular kid in school. I went home by myself and hung out with maybe two or three people that were like, you know, kind of nerdy, nerdy chemistry, physics geek people. But I played sports, but I didn't hang out with anybody that I played sports with. I just went to practice and then I went home. And if I did anything with anybody, it was like this, you know, two or three nerdy people. So it was really, really odd. I was like, I was like a popular recluse. That describes me, yeah. <laughs> maybe it was like maybe it was like Tom said. Maybe maybe people were just like, well, she "Must be nice." It never says anything bad. Never says anything, but. Yeah. <laughs> I was the kid that walked around in a black London Fog trench coat in high school. That was pre-trench coat mafia. If you remember those guys, I was the kid avoiding you. <laughs> <laughs> we were not friends. Although, although we were friends, you know. I knew everybody, and everybody knew who I was, but nobody really wanted to be close friends. So anyway, the point being, as adults, I think people's skills are more, they're more important. Although when you're a child or when you're a teenager, you feel like they're important, but pretty much everyone's bad at it, with the exception of like, let's say, some people that have some natural talent. But for the most part, Almost everyone at 20, like below 20, is bad at, at people skills. That's one of those things that life experience teaches you, and you either learn it and you get better, or you don't and you have problems communicating. Well, second turn, I think it's time for one of them old-timey commercial interludes and stuff. Hi, this is Luke down at Johnson's Hardware. Are you an introvert and tired of talking to other humans? Well, we've got the perfect thing for you. The Conversation Cup. Disguised as a regular coffee mug, there's a small hidden button at the top of the handle. When pressed, it will insert random conversational phrases to keep the conversation going, but keeping you checked out. <laughs> Here are some examples. Oh, really? And... That's fascinating. Or... Curious. The mug will even get you out of conversations with phrases such as... Hold that thought. I'll be right back. And... I think someone's calling me. Or... Hey, my phone's ringing. Hold on. <laughs> 
Not intended for use with bosses or supervisors. Also avoid using with emergency personnel and doctors. For only $19.95, order now. Go to patreon.com forward slash makerskills. What the heck, Nabbit? I need to get me one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. All right. It's time for crossbreeding. Tom, what skill goes well with people skills? Shaking your head doesn't mean anything, Tom. They can't hear that. I'm sorry, what? I didn't hear. What'd you say? I I wasn't paying attention. Oh, jeez. What skill goes well with people skills? Oh, listening. You have to be a really good listener to, uh, to have good people skills. So I'd say listening is definitely... I agree. Definitely at the top. I, I agree, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, what's that? Jeez. Uh, well, what about you? PJ, what about you? What what's, uh, what pairs well? Um, I just got done talking about it, but I'm going to say reading people. Reading people is... Oh, you almost said reading again. <laughs> reading people. <laughs> not, okay. not quite the same thing, but yeah. Like it, their tattoos or... Well, if they have a lot of tattoos, it'd be helpful if you could read those also. Um, I, oh, I, I have a lot about a person. Well, there was a guy, he had the worst tattoo I'd ever seen. It said 7 And I asked him, I said, what does that mean? And he goes, oh, that's the date I got this tattoo. <laughs> and I just stared at him. I'm like, you got a date? The tattoo of the date you got the tattoo? Yeah. Isn't that cool, man? No. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It'd be great if it was also his if it was also his birthday, but he never said that. No, it wasn't his birthday. <laughs> like he got a birthday he got a birthday tattoo, but never tells anybody that it's his birthday. This this it couldn't have been his birthday. This guy was way too old for it to have been the birthday. I think there's some kind of possession happening, like the lights just flickered, and I don't, I don't know, Tanda went away, and then a ghost image came back. I, I think so, there might be some kind of lightning storm happening, or her shop is possessed. Oh, oh wait, wait. Uh, a little, little bit of both. A little bit of both. No, the ghost is gone. It's the real Tanda. Tanda, what skill goes well with people skills? People skills. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Good answer. People are not a skill. You have to pair something with people oh, skills. Oh, man. I mean, you need people to have people skills. I mean, Tom Tom pointed out listening was a good skill, but he had trouble listening to me. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't want to didn't want to take his. Well, yeah. And, and P, PJ said reading again. I said reading people, Tom. Listen, man. Listen. Come on. Oh, reading reading to people is a good people skill. I used to read to my kids all the time, and uh, I think that uh, I think that empathy is uh, empathizing uh, is a skill that uh, can be developed and goes well with people skills. I think just and and maybe that's just a different way of saying listening, but trying to. Put yourself in in a person's shoes more than just listening, but actually trying to understand where they're coming from and what their motivations are. And and if you can, try to understand some other things going on in in their life and why why they are where they are. Uh, I think that goes a long ways to, to communicating and being a good friend and talking to people. 
probably one of the most insightful answers you delivered. And yes, I think that empathy is an excellent skill to have. It is not the same as listening. Um, listening is purely factual. Uh, empathy is emotional. Excellent answer. I say, old chap, it's time for Patreon's parlor. This is a special week. We've got two new Patreons for Maker Skills. I feel like it's like a Christmas Eve or something. I don't know. We've got Old Timey Tools joined us at the $1 level. So he's a beginner skill guy. Yes, Tom? Is that uh, what he traded you? for all that garbage he gave you? No, this was a separate interaction. Oh, okay. So just the low five. Okay. Hmm? Who else? You So you just got a low five? A low five, yeah. That was a low five yeah, okay. with a little bit of finger jiggle. Yeah, that was all. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah, I was pretty sure that it was, uh, since it was a car show, that at some point PJ was going to say, and best of all, I got this 1937 Chevy Stepside truck. And, it, and it's going to take some work. It was, it was okay. So it was really just a muffler bracket. But <laughs> don't get me started on the cars. It was it was like a graveyard there. There was there was one guy that had about forty truck beds standing up on end, just like just beds. Uh, anyway, our second Patreon member joining us at the God of Skills level, the twenty five dollar level is uh, someone that we're sort of familiar with, um, Tyanda Hi, uh, Hi, Hi, Tanda, Tanda, it's Tanda, Tanda Hedrick. Oh, yeah. oh, that's like Tanda Madison on Instagram, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I follow her. I look at her stuff every once in a while. I talk to her on occasion. Yeah. So. So. Uh, as at the $25 level, uh, she is welcome to be a guest on the show. Uh, and, you know, we'll have to contact her about that. But she also gets a custom skill. And um, so now we need to figure out, um, Tom, we need a custom <laughs> skill for Tanda, a skill that oh. no one else gets, th- <laughs> but that is specific to her. Oh, this could turn out very badly for both of us. So Tanda's already got a lot of skills. So this is going to be very she tricky. Does. She's very talented, very skillful. I think that the the one thing I've noticed is that Tanda doesn't seem to do a lot of painting. I think that if we gave her the skill of being able to, well, she works with a lot of metal. What if we gave her the ability to just paint on anodization? Like she could totally skip the entire anodization process for aluminum and she could just brush it on and no one else can do it. Like the... Like the Bob Ross of anodizing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like she can make like a, a happy little aluminum clamp, you know, just just brush it and then just boop, whatever color she wants. I like it. I like, I don't know why Tanda's not chiming in. She has to give, she could give Tanda. Oh, yeah, I should. I, maybe I'll come up with a with a name for it or yeah. something. So two different people. Clearly two different people. I, I Mostly I think she just wanted to be able to, to say something on the show. <laughs> and thought, well, there's an avenue. I think that you get to, if you get to be a guest, then then maybe you get to get to talk, and and that would be cool. <laughs> I didn't realize that that she'd have to come up with like a skill or something like that. Well, there's always hope for her if she ever comes on the show that she could talk. Yeah, if she ever comes on the show. How, how about how about anodizing, and uh, 
you know, and just you just like roll dice. You just like hypnotizing. Yeah, and you, the the only drawback, like with a lot of special skills, you know, there's there's kind of a hitch to it where it's not perfect, and so I can just like roll something out of my hand and magically it's anodized, but I don't get to pick the color. I think that sounds fair. Yeah, that that saves you a lot of time. I mean, you don't quite get what you want, but you you do get what you want. I mean, and if you don't like the color, you could always just roll it out of your hand again. Oh, that's true. Just like just like dice. Yeah, so I think it should be called anodicing. I like it. And you just keep rolling it until it looks like what you want. Of course, that might be a little hard with some of those bigger parts, but I think you can manage. Well, the trick is to deburr them after. After. Because sometimes they'll get some nicks and, and little bent over edges and stuff. Uh, you should wear some gloves. From the from the rolling. Yeah. Or maybe I could roll them on some foam or something soft. I, I was just thinking about some of those larger pieces I've seen you make, like, you know, like the vacuum, ta- you know, the vacuum table. That that might be hard to roll out of your hand. It's a it's kind of sizable. Yeah, it would be a little bit... Uh, a little bit tricky. I'm sending you a, a, the limit of my of my sink. I've hit the limit of my sink that I usually clean parts in. What is it, like a bathtub? Well, no, it's just a really big sink that I have taken with me four shops. I think four shops. It's four shops in. But every time I've taken this sink out of the cabinetry and rebuilt it into the next shop because it's... Uh, because it's a big, nice sink, and uh, I keep—I'm imagining in my mind that it's just like a steel room with a sealed door. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a really wide sink. It's probably a 36. I want to say it's like a 36-inch sink, but there's no partition or anything. It's like 36 inches long and wide stainless steel sink. I keep rebuilding it into every subsequent shop. I got, I'm looking at the picture. Tanda just texted us a picture of the sink and. It it definitely looks like a big sink, and that big piece of metal that's in the sink, that's that's what I'm talking about. I, I think that'd be kind of hard to roll out of your hands, but you probably could anodize it. I believe in you, um, other Tanda. I'll I'll send you a picture. However, however it comes out, my my 36 by 24 inch uh, solid aluminum top. Sounds good. And if anyone else would like a custom skill. Go to patreon.com forward slash makerskills, join up, and help us actually improve this show with um, some upgraded equipment so that our sound improves. And who knows, maybe we'll even get some celebrity voiceovers in the process. You never know. Indeed. Nothing better than the Queen's word. Mm, Cheerio. All right. It's time for short and sweet. Tom, do you have any final thoughts? Nope. Nothing. No thought. No thoughts. Okay. Tanda, do you have any final thoughts for short and sweet? I think I'm following Juan, but if I'm not, I'm going to go, definitely going to go follow Juan. Does he have Instagram? Yeah. Old timey tools. And it's old timey tools. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. So maybe I am. Yeah, if you, uh, it's probably, his stories are probably gone, but uh, he just got um, his wife just got him a brand for his logo for Old Timey Tools, and he was just doing a bunch of stories, and he was you know using the burner, heating it up, and then stamping like a he had a plank of wood, and he just kept stamping it, and all of the brands were upside down, so you couldn't read them, 
So I sent him a text message. I let him know that that brand was broken and that it was was only stamping them upside down so that he could get a different one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he listened to me, but it's a, it's a serious problem. No, no one can read things upside down. Anything for short and sweet, PJ? As for me, I successfully attached two Delta 14-inch bandsaws to a pallet, wrapped them in cellophane, and dropped them off at Fastenal. And they are probably somewheres on their way to South Carolina right now. So that's the update from last week. Uh, it's They're out of the shop, and I looked at the shop today, and it looks like I didn't remove anything. If there's so much stuff in there, it's still packed with stuff. But that's the update. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maker Skills. If you should need more skill information, you can find us on Instagram at maker.skills. You can also email us at makerskillspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at PJ Galati, son of the junk hunter on Instagram and YouTube. You can find Tanda at Tanda Madison on Instagram, and you can find Tom at Infinite Craftsman on Instagram. We welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time. Rant requests. All right. We have some rant requests, and I got to say, more people are listening because we got a lot more responses than we have in the past, which I'm very happy about. It's always nice when we get you guys uh, telling us what you want us to talk about. Tanda, do you want to hit us with the first one? Yeah, I think the first one is uh, is something that you guys can probably uh, speak to more than myself because of the number of uh, people you interact with. But uh, the people that say everything is for sale and then you start picking stuff and they say, oh, not that. I'm keeping that. Well, then that's not everything. Who said that? Who 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 was that from, Tanda? Uh, Road, Ra- Road Rage Jason 70. Tom, any thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, I'm going to tell a longer story next week in a segment, but these guys walked into my shop as if everything was for sale. And I do, I would say everything is for sale. Just some things are way overpriced and you shouldn't buy them. He pointed at my grandfather's drill press and I said, oh, I can't sell that. It's, a, it's my grandfather's. I, you know, I can't, I can't sell that. And then I paused and I went, a million dollars. Opa would want me to get a million dollars for it. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed and kept going. And then he looked at my, my lathe uh, that I restored my South Bend. And I was like, oh, I can't sell that. I've got too much time in that thing. I don't know. I can't sell that. And, and I said, $10,000. <laughs> so everything is for sale. Everything has a price. I would sell anything that I own for a million dollars, pretty much. I get that, though. Well, from my perspective, I have run into these people that they say everything's for sale and then something is not for sale. And like I was saying about earlier, it comes down to reading people. Sometimes when they say it's not for sale, they're lying. It is for sale. But they don't want to sell it to you. That's the thing I've noticed. So if you can, like, I've had people tell me that they wouldn't sell me something and I'll stand there and talk to them and pick up a few other things and I'll tell them some stories. I'll tell them stories of like my awesome deals, like, you know, buying a 1948 drill press for three Polish pizzas. And they're like, what, really? And after, you know, a little bit, then all of a sudden 
they're my buddy. And then I'll look and I'm like, are you sure that's not for sale, Chuck? And he goes, all right, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, I'll get it. You know, they'll, they'll throw it to me. You know, I can get a deal on it. But then there are some people that it's just like you're asking to buy their child and they just they're like, no. And I'm like, OK, bye. I, you know, I don't like them. So uh, our next question comes from Sigma Woodcraft. How do you all balance working on and cleaning up the shop versus working on projects? And this is about balancing. And we are actually going to do a future show on this subject. So we're not going to answer that this time. Uh, we're going to answer that in episode 31. So, Tom, do you want to hit us with the next one? Yes. Oh, the next one's the same. Working in the shop versus working on the shop from I2Pi. Yeah. That's very similar. That's the same. So we're going to answer that in an episode. All right, I'll keep going. Oh, oh, this one's about me. How nice. Uh, Shandy Bear and Co. Woodworks says, You know, I've never seen Tom make anything. I think he's just a tool hoarder. I think it's his turn to sit in the hot seat. I'm going to say that uh, Shandy Bear hasn't watched your channel long enough because you do make things. All right. I got some support here. That's nice. Oh, yeah. I just just this week, I saw Tom make another big pile of tools that he's That's hoarding. true. <laughs> they, he made a pile out in, the, in the, the driveway. He made a pile in the driveway. He made a pile in the garage. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think he even made a pile of tools that he's hoarding on his trailer. Tom is great at making piles. I mean, if you, if he's obviously not watching your Instagram stories, Tom. But, but you know, I mean, I think the last thing uh, I recall you making was um, the vacuum clamp that we talked about. It was the last episode mm. you made that? Yeah, that's probably the last project I really dug into. Uh, you made that really nice mobile cart for the laser. That's true. Yeah. Um, walnut. The very walnut, nice. Yeah. Brass. Very nice. Uh, you made a bunch of those like uh, shadow boxes that hang on the wall for all of your lathe tools. I forgot about that. Yeah, That's true. So That's true. Tom. Tom's made a lot of things. Um, you know, yeah. If you go back even further, I made a couple of remote control lawnmowers. I made. I made lots of stuff. Yeah. I do have YouTube videos. I don't. I bet most people listening don't know that I have a YouTube channel, even though it's about two years stale. Well, that's that's the, that's the same for me. I don't think I've posted anything in that long either, and I have like probably sixty videos. So, that's, I think mm. it's a theme. I think we all have stale YouTube channels. Yeah, that's true. Maybe we should challenge ourselves to do something about that. I I actually mm. am the one that doesn't make anything. I I don't really make hard. I fix stuff. I fix stuff all the time. But me making something is a rare occurrence, and usually it's something I need in the shop, and that's it. <laughs> So, yeah. So I think that question should have been for me. Uh, Tanda, you want to get the next one? Yeah. The next one comes to us from Hammer and Neil, and it's how you learn stuff. And I think this is another one that we have an upcoming episode on on learning. That's right. We're going to do episode 32 on learning. Future episode. Hey, guys, feel free to uh, send me messages on Instagram about what next week's topic is going to be. That'd be great. Thanks so much. I'm not doing that, Tom. Oh, how about how about the price of lumber? No, not you guys. The people listening to what you just said. <laughs> oh. What'd you say, Tanda? All right, Tanda, what do you got? EDS clocks and more. How about the price of lumber? Angry face. How about it? Well, uh, I'd say it sucks, but I don't actually pay for wood, so I wouldn't know. I say, I say aluminum is the answer. I mean, lumber's getting up there. Just start metalworking. Go buy yourself... Uh, you know, some three by four inch aluminum bar stock and 
just start making anything that you would make out of wood out of aluminum. I forget what group it was, but somebody was talking about making like some sort of recycled plastic substitute for two by fours. And my comment was wood is still the cheapest form of wood. Like, I don't care what it costs. It's still the best option. I I have made 90% of a Japanese tea house shed out of free wood. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends. If you're making an addition to your house or you're doing remodeling, you're kind of stuck. But there is, there's wood out there. Yeah, you just got to look for it. And by the way, don't buy it at the box store. Buy it on Facebook Marketplace or go to an auction. Get it for way cheaper. All right, our next topic comes from Ben Makes KC. How many tools are too many? And I, I should point out that this sparked something of a war between him and Tool Scrounge, um, but, but we won't talk about that. Uh, how many tools are too many? Uh, I'd say when you have to start storing your tools at your neighbor's house, you, that might be too many. But uh, other than that, uh, as many as you can fit uh, where you live, then that's, that's how many you can have. And if you crowd out all of the living space and end up just living in your shop, I have to say that's okay too. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, you can sleep with a few tools in the bed, you know, as long as you don't roll over. Right. There's a reason they call it a lathe bed. That's right. That's right. Tom, you want to get our next question? That's our last one. Yeah, it's our last one. Old-timey tools. Go figure. He's making a lot of appearances tonight. He, In quotes, it says, Bro, you're going to kill someone if you leave that Chuck key there and other myths. So he's referring to the Chuck key in a metal lathe being left in the Chuck when you're taking a picture of your lathe. And uh, this is a hot, 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 hot topic in machinist groups. So hot that you will just leave the machinist group because they're all ridiculous. So uh, I didn't tell you guys, but actually I used to have a metal lathe and I left the Chucky in it and I turned it on and it killed me and I died and then I came back to life and then I sold the lathe because I was mad, but I was perfectly fine after you know I was risen from the dead. No, I knew that. So what you're saying is it would be a lot of fun if I were to take a picture of my lathe with the key in the chuck, wearing a halter top and a lanyard. Yes. <laughs> yes. And long sleeves. Just long sleeves. <laughs> like just welding just sleeves. No shirt. No shirt. Just, <laughs> just, yeah, well, just well, sleeves. Welding sleeves and a bra. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but you have to, you have to like be putting the chuck key into the lathe, like with your lips. You know, that's, oh, that's, God. you know, you gotta, you have to have the right pose, you know. It, it's so absurd. I mean, I, I took a video, I trolled. And then the video just fades to black and you hear this clanging sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I think it was in the South Bend group. I just, I took a video. I put the key chuck in and I turned my lathe on. And I'm like, guys, now everybody has the same situation. Stop. You know, this guy was showing off his beautifully turned piece of metal. And no one, not a, like 30 comments deep, no one said, oh, that's really nice. Not one person. Because he's put his chuck key in the chuck and took a picture. So here's my thing, okay? All of these people are quote-unquote machinists, right? Mm -hmm. That means they understand how machines should work in theory, mm -hmm. okay? Now, I'm not a machinist, but I happen to know for a fact when you turn on any motor, it is not at speed the moment you turn it on. And as soon as it starts to spin the chuck key falls out. 
Now, if it if you turned it on and it was it was instantly going yeah. two thousand RPMs in a in an instant, then yeah, maybe it could throw the key across the room. The chances of it hitting you are slim, but everything has a spool up speed and it's not going to go anywhere. That's true. But in defense of the idiots, I will just say like, it's not good practice to do that. Right. Like I don't, I wouldn't teach that. Like take your, don't leave your Chucky in there for a number, a number of reasons. There are lathes that have a clutch. And if you, it's in there and you slap that clutch over, it is going to be full speed within a, within a fraction of a second. But it's just it's just too much. Like we're in a home machine shop group. Home machine shop. Like and then and then I'm in a group with South Bend 9A. It's a benchtop lathe that I literally I took a video and I slapped the chuck as it's spinning until it stopped and the belt started slipping. Like I just it's not yeah, it could hurt you. Yeah, it could break a finger. It's not going to kill me. That's a rant. I think I ranted it up. I teach the lathe, uh, the lathe safety class at our local makerspace, and so of course, oh, no. you know, it's like <laughs> um, the the key is in one of two places. It's either in the holder on the back apron of the lathe, or it's in your hand, turning it in the in the chuck. Right. But so I get it. Right. And then we also have a bridge port at the makerspace. It's not a bridge port. It's a web. But we have an email at the makerspace, and you can see scars all over the motor from where people used the vice handle to tighten the drawbar and then have left it up there and turned on the mill. Oh, that's not good. And no one complains about that, though, do they? And whacked the handle in into the motor. Well, no, no. <laughs> I the, We actually teach to use an open end wrench to tighten the drawbar because then you can't accidentally leave it up there. But that's yeah. I bet it's a little different. It's a community space with people that are using things for the first time and are very inexperienced. So it's a little bit different, but it's it's not well, it's not in the sense like that is what you should teach. That is what everybody should do. But when you see one photo, a literal snapshot of that guy's day, don't don't just ignore it. Sometimes I'm a little a little ashamed of a nick or a, like a tool mark or something on a part. Um, that I don't want people to notice. So if I post a picture of it, I put a nearby key in a chuck. It's just a distraction. <laughs> you know what I think we should yes. do? I think that we should have a maker skills sticker that's actually a chuck key that people can put on their chucks. I think we should I, do it. I like it. I, I like just, it. Just to we tick should. people off, you have a permanent, just put them on every, every, curved side of the chuck so that you can't see the chuck without a key <laughs> i like it nah, i just i just tack weld mine in and there then, you go and then the chuck just spins <laughs> yeah. around it's always there keys in it yeah, yeah. Perfect. put a key in. is there's there's more there's multiple key slots on those right it makes there's, a strange whirring whirring sound but, there's like uh, three key slots on those those lathe chucks right depends what it is yeah on it <laughs> so you could have like three or four keys at any given time in there, if you really worked at it, you know. Right, you don't want to be really hunting up your key and reaching for it. You should just uh, get you some epoxy, put it down in that little square hole, stick the <laughs> the key in, and and you're good to go. I mean, don't don't do that, and then realize after that your chuck key doesn't clear part of your lathe. That's that's never good after the epoxy's dried. That's true. That's true. <laughs>